The Reserve Bank has delivered a series of rate rises that have drained the economy of stimulus, savings and satisfaction. We've had the equivalent of 11 rate rises in seven months. But who's counting? Millions of Australians are confronted with painful opportunity costs in every purchase, from the Coles checkout to the bowsers of your local service station. Welcome to the latest episode of Ready, Set, Debt. I'm Ulrika, Director of Sparrow Loans, a private property lender in the market. Australian households are caught in a pincer of falling real wages and ballooning living costs. The recent cash rate hike to 2.85% will deliver no reprieve to struggling households, but the wick of financial pain runs deep into the wax of people's finances. Mortgage repayments on a 25-year loan have increased by nearly 30%, and the annual price movement is at 7.3%. Our spending and budgeting decisions are hinged on the inevitable promise of monetary tightening. But when will we deviate from our path to austerity? It all comes down to an economic model of affectionately called the slope. The slope is a policy tool used by central banks and governments to gauge the effect of monetary or fiscal policy on the economy. Put simply, it allows us to plot inflation against output or GDP. You can imagine it looks like a linear graph with a downward sloping demand curve and vertical supply curves, which represent the output of the economy. Every economy has a potential output and a real output. Potential output gives us the total supply of an economy when all capital is productive and unemployment is at its natural rate. In only natural unemployment, all workers' skills are utilized and everyone who wants a job can find one. This figure is slightly above zero to account for people moving between jobs. When the economy is operating at potential output, there's a perfect match between supply and demand. Unemployment is low and quality of living tends to rise. When our actual output, where the economy actually sits, equals our potential output, where we can be, the jigsaw pieces fit seamlessly together. In doing so, the economy is set on a path to low, stable inflation and consistent growth. However, if output moves away from its potential, we develop something called an output gap. This output gap can be thought of as a chasm separating what the economy should be supplying and what it is actually supplying, based on demand. Economies tend to self-correct and move back to their potential output, but this can take some time, especially if the output gap is large. Remaining at potential output requires a delicate policy balance and a complete disconnect from the world economy. The fact is that all economies are linked. This is what has allowed capital markets to grow and the quality of life to rise. Yet the dark side of this is that we're vulnerable to international shocks and even slight movements can drastically redistribute wealth. What if the economy is producing below its potential output? In this situation, demand is lower than supply, so the economy begins to contract. This triggers governments, central banks and businesses to track apart to austerity. Governments announce spending cuts, increases in taxes, and a greater commitment to servicing government deficits. From the business side, directors will begin winding down their investments and either shrinking their workforce or stemming the flow of new hires. In listed companies, this drives down share values, and in private businesses, we see a contraction of selling activity. These conditions bleed the wallets of workers and crush consumer confidence, which shifts demand downwards. This prompts central banks to lower interest rates. 
They hope that less money spent servicing debt and cheaper credit will boost people's spending. This boost will be the shot of adrenaline needed to lift the economy out of a recessionary rut. What if the economy is producing above its potential output? To clarify that a little further, the output gap is an economic measure of the difference between the actual output of an economy and its potential output. So potential output is the maximum amount of goods and services an economy can turn out when it is most efficient, that is at full capacity. It has also been referred to as production capacity of the economy. So when we talk about the economy producing above its potential output, that means that we're producing more than full capacity, and that happens when demand is really high. So where the economy is running too hot, where demand exceeds supply, prices are drawn upwards. This upward movement in prices is known as inflation and has currently brought the world economy to its knees. The natural solution to a high inflation period is to reduce demand with higher interest rates. With a fall in demand, we're brought back to potential output, but with a lower level of inflation in the long run. However, if demand is left untouched, we will correct back to potential output with a higher natural rate of inflation. This is why the RBA is trying to so aggressively reduce demand. If demand does not budge, higher inflation will become entrenched in the economy. So clearly, the slope is a useful framework for us as we seek to understand the RBA's next moves. Philip Lowe raised rates so aggressively to jolt demand backwards, putting Australia on the first step to self-correction. His policy seeks to counterbalance the elevated consumer demand which arose as Australia emerged from lockdown. Lowe's actions can be likened to a game of pool. The RBA has hit the white billiard hard in the direction of a coloured billiard. This is now hoping to sink the coloured billiard without bringing the white down with it. From the RBA's perspective, a strong initial movement would not cause too much harm as it would be buffered by Australians' high saving rates. If you've heard commentary about Philip Lowe flying blind, it's because a recession would actually bring the economy back to a stable level of inflation in the long term. We would see our buying power restored and the real value of our wealth maintained. Yet in the short run, we would see a strong rise in unemployment and an aggressive slip in our quality of life. The question we must now ask is, has the RBA done enough? Has the initial rate hike sent demand backwards just enough to neatly intersect the potential supply of the economy? There are signs that demand is falling across Australia and the economy is cooling. Total new capital expenditure by industry fell by 0.3% to the June quarter. New borrower accepted loan commitments fell by 18.5% in the 12 months to September. And fixed-term personal finance fell 5.2% in September alone. There's a rapid cooling of economic activity as financing options become expensive and criteria tightens. Furthermore, we're seeing signs of the jawbone effect. As people come to expect further rate hikes, they begin pricing this into their budgeting decisions. So consumer behavior becomes more in line with what we could expect if the next rate rise had already occurred. Furthermore, household goods retailing fell 0.8%, department store sales fell 0.4%, and overall retail turnover increased by only 0.6%, compared to 18% in the same period last year. Furthermore, the Combank Household Spending Intentions Index fell 0.5% down to 114.9% in September. 
this is the first decline in the index since the IBA started raising interest rates. The health and fitness, home buying, household services, and transport categories experienced the sharpest declines. There are clear signs that the Reserve Bank has given the economy the initial shove it needs in order to counterbalance. Australian households may no longer be willing to dip into their savings to fund excess spending. The need for healthy financial buffers becomes especially important if people expect economic conditions to deteriorate, and they do. The Reserve Bank is warning of financial pain until 2024, and the Treasury downgraded growth forecasts by 100 basis points for 2023 to 2024 on the back of reduced consumer spending and business activity. To wrap things up, let's bring the conversation back to rate rises. When will they end? The Reserve Bank will continue to raise rates until demand has fallen enough to meet the ability of our economy to supply that demand. This will begin the process of closing our output gap and will put us on the path to low inflation in the long run. In the meantime, expect a slower pace of increases from the Reserve Bank and pay close attention to movements in demand. Thank you for listening to our latest episode on Ready, Set, Debt. I hope you have a lovely rest of the week and weekend ahead. I'll see you next week.